Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to In Session. For week three, we made it to a week three, thankfully. Barely, but we made it here. Um, I'm with Danielle E. Gaines in Annapolis. How are you, Danielle? Hi, Colin. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're running solo this week, so this is fun. This is the dream team. This is the dream sure. team right here. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... How was your week? We'll start there. How overall, how was it for you? It was like it was a good week. Uh, things are starting to pick up a little bit here in Annapolis, so that's always fun. We're starting to have bill hearings and some larger pieces of legislation unveiled. So I've been busy. Okay. Busy, 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 like 16-hour days? Not yet. Not that long. 14-hour <laughs> days then, I guess. Yes. Getting close. <laughs> Getting close. Um, okay, so let's start this week with uh, the governor unveiling a package of bills and an executive order to address heroin and opioid abuse throughout Maryland. I know you wrote about this earlier this week. Would you like to tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So on Tuesday, the governor held a press conference where he unveiled a package of three bills that will um, help to address heroin and opioid abuse in the county or in the state. Um, obviously, this is an important issue to Frederick County. Um, and some of the bills are things that have pretty generalized widespread re- uh, support um, aside from a few um, doctors groups, but one of those bills is a prescriber's limits act, and that um, stems from a recommendation from the CDC. And there are several other states who have already passed that legislation, and basically, it just limits the number of pills that a doctor can give to a patient on their first visit for acute pain. So that's a little different than treating chronic pain patients. It's for people who are coming in after, you know, what one would hope would be a one-time injury and they need some pain relief for a temporary period of time. Um, That bill would aim to stop people from getting addicted in the first place, is is what the Mm -hmm. governor was saying. And um, Maryland is one of a few states that are going to probably be uh, considering that legislation this year. Is there anybody who opposes this? I was thinking that while reading your story. So there have been obviously debates in a number of other states already over this bill. And there are concerns um, from doctors groups um, who don't want to be hamstrung in their ability to treat their patients. And um, I spoke with uh, Frederick County Delegate Karen Lewis-Young, who sits on the House Health and Government Operations Committee, and she was talking about how that committee struggles a lot with balancing various efforts at um, combating over-prescription of opioid medications and also needing to be able to provide health care and palliative care to people who need it. Um, so that's certainly going to be probably where this debate centers once that bill gets a public hearing. Well, how do you think the public hearing will, will turn out? Is there is there sort of any sentiment at all about which way this might go? It's unclear. A lot of times these bills are kind of packaged together, so things that are somewhat similar will all be heard on the same day. So last year, for example, there was a hearing on a bill that Karen Lewis-Young um, introduced and that measure um, looked at um, creating a civil penalty for doctors who um, prescribed medications that later led to an opioid overdose death. 
And um, that hearing last year was very well attended. There were a lot of people um, who came. There were parents whose children had died of opioid um, overdoses. There were doctors groups. There were treatment providers. But that also is probably a symptom of the fact that there were multiple bills like that heard on that same day. And so I think the same thing will happen this year. Hmm. It seems to me like it would be a good idea to try and help curb drug abuse. Just seems to me. I mean, I don't know. I don't I think don't anybody know. disagrees with you. The question is how to do that. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. I'm just just saying. Just but seems to me like it would be a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and there were two I other bills in the governor's package, if you want me to cover those super quick. I would love As long as one is Bill Green, I'm going to make that joke every week. <laughs> so um, really quickly, the other two bills, one is the Overdose Prevention Act. And that is a bill that just kind of expands the authority of these county fatality review teams. And so every county in the state has a team that meets on a regular basis and discusses all of the overdose deaths in their county and they look for trends they look for all sorts of things and this kind of involves people from the hospital community and the prosecutors and local government and the fire department and police and so everyone's kind of talking about what they see in various cases of overdoses and right now they generally talk about fatalities Um, this bill would expand that so that they would also talk about non-fatal overdoses so that you could try to identify instances of overuse of heroin, opioids, or other um, dangerous drugs and review those cases before there are fatalities. So you might be able to identify, you know, what what strains are on the street or where people are getting their drugs from. Um, Hmm. And the third bill is just the distribution of opioids resulting in death act. And that would actually create a felony charge Um, with up to 30 years imprisonment against sellers who, um, so drug dealers, (laughs) who um, (laughs) sell opioids or heroin, other drugs that lead to overdose deaths. And that would be, there are some protections in there for people who are selling small amounts to friends to kind of um, support their own habits, but it's really the target is for drug kingpins. Okay, drug kingpins. We got to take them people down, right? That's right. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Thank you, America. I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I have a lot of questions to kind of follow up on that, but I, I know we're, I know you got to go and we have a lot of other things we got to get to. Someday we're going to have like a five hour podcast. Sure. We're going to talk about all this stuff in depth. Sure. Um, but I want to get to the Begathon just because I like the name Begathon. Yes. Um, okay. Can, can you, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about um, the Begathon and, and what this means? You explained this to me yesterday on the phone. I loved your explanation of it all. Uh, Can you tell the people (laughs) what this is? (laughs) Sure. So um, there is this annual meeting of the Board of Public Works in Annapolis. And at this particular meeting, which happens in January, is when they are discussing um, the recommendations for appeal funding for school construction. Um, The money that they're talking about is the money in the next year's budget, so the same budget that the General Assembly is going through right now and trying to decide how to spend. Um, And every school official from the county comes to Annapolis. They usually bring a little posse, like you might have several representatives from a school system so that they can all kind of field the questions from the board and advocate for additional funding. Um, In the past few years it's become a little um well 
the um, state treasurer, Nancy Kopp, who sits on the board, um, described it as bullying or a political barrage. So yeah, it's become it's sort of become contentious. It's become a little contentious, particularly for some school systems where um, Governor Larry Hogan and Comptroller Peter Fancho in particular don't feel that they're doing enough in certain areas. Um, those areas involve, you know, uh, air conditioning for schools in Baltimore City and Baltimore County where students were going to school in very hot classrooms. Um, this year, one of the issues was um, issue with heating in classrooms in Prince George's County. There has also been issues with mold in schools in other counties. And um, the governor and comptroller have really tried to hold um, those county representatives' feet to the fire during these hearings. Some would say to an extreme, um, and they've uh, decided to withhold money and various other things as a result of this meeting. So last year there was an effort to end the begathon. Um, mm. Ultimately, obviously, okay. since the meeting was held this week, that was unsuccessful. Mm. Yes, <laughs> but there, there was there was this interesting exchange though. Um, there was a letter, from what I understand, that was referenced. A letter that was written last year. Sure. So last year, in the effort to kind of end the meeting, the Public School Superintendents Association of Maryland sent a letter to the state's legislative leaders, so the Speaker of the House and the Senate President, and asked them to get rid of the annual meeting um, for all of the reasons we've just talked about. Mm -hmm. um, generally, the recommendations that are made for funding by this other group, the interagency um, <laughs> interagency uh, committee on school construction funding um, their recommendations just stand so they were saying that the board of public works meeting was kind of duplicative um, that meet that letter happened to be signed by Frederick County School Superintendent Teresa Alban who was hey the yo. association's president last oh, year yeah so <laughs> During this year's presentation, Frederick, um, you know, they made their presentation and about how they are saving money in their schools and value engineering and using prototype floor plants and all of these things that um, the comptroller and governor like. But that letter also did not go unaddressed. Um, <laughs> the comptroller was a little coy at the beginning. He said, you know, didn't you correspond with us last year or was it the year before? Um and, you know, Teresa Alban responded that, that she did and that she did that in her official role as uh, president of the uh, Superintendents Association, which is called Bazam. Ooh, um, I knew you'd like a, that. I like that a lot. <laughs> sounds like Shazam. It sounds like Shaq or something. Yeah, so okay, keep going. <laughs> she asked him to distinguish um, her role this week in asking for funding for school projects in Frederick County from her role last year as the um, president of Pazam. Awkward. Awkward. It's almost as awkward as this podcast. But I, I like that. I like I like uh, moments like that in politics. Oh, didn't you? There, there are a lot some? of those on Wednesday. <laughs> I, on, at Begathon, there are a lot of, of awkward moments. I, I'm not going to lie. Is there another one you might be able to tell us about real quick? Um, well, there was a, a hearing um, when the Prince George's County Public Schools came up, and um, there were no elected officials present. Present, so there was uh, the county executive wasn't there, none of the delegates, none of the senators, none of the members of the school board, not the superintendent. It was a representative of the district, and um, that really just upset um, the comptroller and the governor, and they. Mm. 
you know, were peppering this individual. I was listening to it through audio, so I can't tell you who it was, but they were peppering the person with uh, questions about, you know, this person couldn't come, this person couldn't come, this person couldn't come. And unfortunately, the guy who was there just had to kind of look down at his sheet of paper and uh, continue to read their request. Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) And as it does turn out, the county executive was in a different hearing testifying on a different matter at the same time. So he was in Annapolis. Man, oh man. Ego, ego, ego. Politics. Politics, politics, politics. I love it. I love it. I love it. I also like how you figured I would like a name that just sounded flashy. I'm I'm like a little kid. Thank you. I'm so predictable. Um, Department of Social Services office. This is a big deal here in Frederick. And uh, there were solutions offered i believe this week to to move the the building outside of downtown do you want to talk a little about that sure so this was also at the uh, board of public works meeting before the begathon portion started and um this was a promise from the from the governor and other members of the board that they would continue to to discuss ways that the state can help the county in light of the fact that the um, department of social services building which is currently located downtown on all Saints Street is going to be moving to um, North Frederick near the Warman's Mill Industrial Park. Um, mm-hmm. For a while, county lawmakers have expressed concern about that, um, about how um, you know clients of the Department of Social Services will be able to get in and out and get to their appointments and get the services that they really need um, once they're in an area that's so far away from transit. Um, so the state had met with the county and all of those um, agreements that they've come to were announced to the Board of Public Works this week. That includes a shuttle that's going to make sure that it um, comes to the social services building, which is going to be on uh, North Market Street, um, far North Market Street, 1888, um, every half an hour during work hours. And the state is also going to pay for some kiosks that will stay downtown so people can at least do Mm -hmm. their intake paperwork downtown. And they're also going to work on some various um, remote processes. So helping people to update um, their information or reapply for services over the phone or over the computer. Uh, It's going to be difficult, quote, but I think we've made great progress, Carol Krim said. That was a quote that you had in your story. Uh, Does this seem to be, is everybody's mind at ease now with it, or are there still... Is there still a lot of tension there regarding this issue? I think everyone has come around to the fact that this is the situation and this is what has to be worked with. So, um, you know, there was a lot of controversy over the existing lease downtown, but that's all kind of been decided. The state has signed the new lease for the new location on North Market Street. And so it's just about how to move forward at this point. Hmm. Okay. Well, so I guess so. that's that's where that stands. Now, I don't (laughs) want to... I, again, I, I'm so conscious of your time, so I don't want to. I don't okay. want to dive in too deep. Um, and I definitely wanted to, as I said yesterday when we talked, I really want to get to the end of life options bill uh, yes. and what you can tell us about that, uh, however briefly or quickly. Uh, <laughs> <a bit. laughs> but so go ahead. The go ahead. Collins being being very nice to me because the county delegation is meeting this morning in Annapolis. But um, the end-of-life legislation, it's called numerous things. End-of-life options bill, death with dignity, right to die. There's a lot of different um, phrases that people use to describe it. Um, Other people would say assisted suicide as well. So it's a bill that allows terminally ill patients who meet certain criteria 
to end their lives by self-ingesting drugs prescribed by a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, there this, are, go ahead. This is an issue too that, that that's sort of, I mean, even though we're talking about this on a state level, this is an issue that's been obviously a nationwide issue for some time. Yeah, there um, have been, you know, a few states that have passed this legislation, and obviously there have been a few cases that really caught the attention um, of the country and um, have led a lot of people to have really entrenched ideas, actually, on one way or another, whether or not um, this should be allowed or should not. Um, A lot of people worry that um, bad diagnoses or... Um, you know, scary diagnoses will cause people to end their lives when they actually still have a chance to continue living. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of one of the main thing, main um, points for the opposition of this bill. Mm-hmm. But a and lot so of other people talk about, you know, the unbearable pain that they saw their family members um, exhibit in the last few days of their life, last few days, last few weeks, when they didn't care to live anymore and they just wanted to go out peacefully with happier memories. Is there any tie to Frederick specifically with this? Any any local lawmakers that are involved with this at the state level? Sure. Um, Senator Ron Young, he was um, the lead sponsor of that bill last year. This year he's coming back as a lead co-sponsor. Um, mm-hmm. There were discussions over the summer, Senator Young said, that led to the decision um, by supporters of this bill to um, choose a different co-sponsor this year, Senator Guy Gazzoni from um, Howard County. And he was picked because he has um, deep relationships with the disability community. That's what Senator Young told me. And the disability community is one of those groups that has a lot of reservations about this bill. They don't want Mm -hmm. people who have disabilities to choose to end their lives prematurely or Mm -hmm. to have family members, um, you know, pressure them to end their lives prematurely. So um, that's one area where they're going to try to build support this year. It's unclear whether or not um, this measure has enough votes to get out of committees. That's always the hardest part on some of these bills is getting it out of the smaller Mm -hmm. committee to get it to the floor. Um, Senator Young has said for the last two years that he thinks there are enough votes for it to pass through the chamber as a whole, but perhaps not out of the required committees. So it can't get out of committee. Uh, uh, so we'll keep an eye on this. Yes, I would assume. I will follow okay. along. Good, 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 good. And then we have to circle back to something we touched on last week quite, uh, quite a bit actually, which was um, the ethics, uh, county ethics. And I believe there was some development this week. Yeah. So the county delegation meeting that's happening this morning will not be discussing the ethics bill um there (laughs) it was listed (laughs) earlier on an agenda that it would be discussed today it got pulled um senator huff who was one of the members who expressed some concern that the ethics bill is kind of weak yes has gone ahead and made a few recommendations that he thinks um should be included in the bill they're fairly far-reaching and um it's unclear The members who also agreed that the bill wasn't strong enough, it's unclear whether or not they would agree to these particular amendments. Mm -hmm. Do you Um, know the amendments? I do. So one would um, require campaign donations of $500 or more to be disclosed within 48 hours. Hmm. The second would require all non-elected members of decision-making boards to be forced to step down from their positions if they decide to run for political office. 
and um, the third would prohibit all businesses with pending bids or applications in front of the county from making campaign donations and that would extend to um, their lawyers and lobbyists or anybody else who represents those entities Um, the issue uh, that has been expressed to me already about some of these um, measures is that the county does not have the um, resources to implement these Um, The county uses the state's campaign finance reporting system that operates on, you know, quarterly reporting during election years and uh, little, little more frequently than quarterly reporting during election years and annual reporting in non-election years. So to do a 48 hour um, campaign finance report is not something that some people think is, is feasible. The amendments are in drafting right now. So once they actually come out, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about you know, how they fit into state law and their feasibility. But they're not going to discuss it today? They're not going to discuss mm-hmm. it today. They pushed it off until next week. So okay. I can so tell you more then. Might be able to, okay. We might <laughs> have to get to that meeting. And you have to get to that meeting anyway. But you did mention Michael Huff. And I love your political notes column. And I love the phrase rifle raffle. Uh, real yes. quick, do you want to get into this in, in your lead today in this morning's paper for those who read the paper, fredericknewspost.com. Check it out today. No, Senator Michael Huff's rifle raffle wasn't illegal. That really gets your attention. Do you want to expand on that? <laughs> <laughs> so um, earlier this month uh, in January and before the General Assembly started meeting, um, Senator Huff uh, rifled off a wait raffled off a rifle <laughs> rifle see i told you it's hard that's um, hard <laughs> um that uh raffle you know it came it went he raised a lot of money <laughs> from it um you know a little less than four thousand dollars um it's not the only rifle raffle that takes place in frederick county um, and there are obviously people who don't agree with raffling off such items. But mm-hmm. um, in addition to that, um, Senator Huff said he was contacted by Frederick County Sheriff Chuck Jenkins, who questioned him about whether or not he'd, re- he'd obtained the required permits to hold such a raffle. Um, mm. There is a county ordinance that does require a permit for raffles. That mm-hmm. county ordinance applies to nonprofit organizations. Um, you know, a political campaign committee is not a nonprofit organization. As it turns out, um, the state elections law does outline how political committees can hold raffles, and his rifle raffle met those rules. <laughs> rifle, raffle, raffle, rifle. Yes. Michael Huff, friend of friend of uh, the other podcast, right? Uncut. We've had him. Yes. In. We had a good time with him. We did, to be fair. We had a good time with Michael Huff. We did. And we talked about dead rats and we talked about him eating in front of you. Yes. So, uh, so good for him. Now I, we got to get you out of here, but, uh, real quickly next week, uh, anything on the horizon that you see coming down the pipe next yes, week? Yes. Next week we'll have some fun stuff to talk about. Um, yeah. the governor is going to be giving his state of the state address next week. Um, that Mm -hmm. hasn't, it's on, it's on calendars that are public, but it hasn't been announced publicly, but it's supposed to be next week. Um, Mm -hmm. and what else? Oh, I'm going to have a breakdown of, uh, legislation for each county lawmaker so we can discuss that. Oh, so we're going to go some fun ones in there. We might have to go a full hour next week. Maybe not an hour. (laughs) We're going to have to get up at 5am just to, just to get on. 
uh, to get online. And uh, thank you. I know that it's tough. I, I, I know that, that you have so much to do. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me uh, this morning and today and each week, assuming we last for a week four. But who knows? You know, who knows? Um, you've got to go, right? Yes. But I think you've we'll make week go. four happen. Good. Good. Okay. I, I hope so, too. Danielle Gaines, senior reporter for the Frederick News Post. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you ate better than Taco Bell this week. I did. Um, and we'll ca- oh, what, what, do you have anything good? I, I packed my food this week. <laughs> oh, okay. So that, and you're, well, that's good. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you so much, Danielle. We'll catch up with you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Colin. Right. Bye. Bye. In Session is produced by Graham Cullen and Chris Sands. A special thanks goes to Kelsey Luce for composing our theme. Be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes or Google Play so you can stay current with all the developments in Annapolis this session. 